0: And Welcome to World in Focus, the podcast for making sense of the complex world around us. I'm your host, Nick, and with my background in history and philosophy, we'll try to make sense of the senseless, so we can walk through life with a little more confidence and understanding. Join me this week as we explore the United States Speaker of the House of Representatives. Now, before we get started, I know I had said that I would be doing a character profile on Vivek Ramaswamy this week, and I am working on it. However, the guy has very little information on him publicly available pretty much just wikipedia and some interviews, which is probably just all stuff that he wants to put out there. So, while I take extra time to get a little bit more in depth at the research and get some different perspectives, we must settle for other things. Thankfully, we have plenty to talk about with the recent drama of the ousting of Kevin McCarthy as the US speaker of the house. And for this week, we'll talk a little bit about what exactly the Speaker of the House of Representatives is, why it's significant, and then we'll talk about some people in line who could be the next Speaker after Kevin McCarthy was booted. So, starting at the beginning, the Speakership of the House of Representatives in the U.S. was established with the Constitution in 1789, in basically as broad a term as possible. It stated simply, and I quote, that the House of Representatives shall choose their Speaker and other officers. And when the Constitution was written, this was the only mention of the Speaker until the U.S. adopted the 25th Amendment, which was in 1965, 175 years later. And the Constitution only ever said that the House will choose a Speaker. Nothing about what the Speaker does, who the Speaker can be, limits on the Speaker, etc. So, in 1965, they added some procedures on how, you know, power transfers to the vice president if the president can't perform their duties and then return in power to the president, yada yada, that stuff. But it still doesn't say what exactly the speaker does. What is the speaker's role? What are their duties? What are their responsibilities? What kind of power does the speaker have? In fact, as far as I found in the research that I did for this, there was really no concrete written policy on anything the speaker does or can do or restrictions on the speaker until the 104th Congress, which started in 1995. So over 200 years, really no concrete guidance on what exactly the Speaker of the House is. So in order to best answer the question of what exactly is the Speaker of the House, you really just have to look at the people who held the office, along with one or two instances where there was some actual policy change. So starting with the very beginning, let's go take a look. For the first 20 or so years, the Speakership was basically just to keep things in order. You know stuff like don't let people talk too long make sure things stay civil keep everyone on topic that sort of thing it wasn't until 1811 when henry clay took office and the position really started to evolve henry clay was an avid gambler and loved debate he was representative from kentucky and he made a habit of debating in session for the house normally that wasn't something that happened but he now had center stage and he took advantage of that to debate policy that he was in favor of or was against. And that really influenced how things got passed and what exactly happened. After that, not a whole lot happened um, until you get to the like mid to late 1800s, so about 25 years after Henry Clay is gone. And that all focuses on what is called the Rules Committee or the House Committee of Rules. Now, from the very beginning, there has always been a rules committee since the Constitution was written and the the House started presiding. But unlike a lot of other committees, the Committee on Rules was non-persistent, which basically means that they would call it into order and then it would provide some guidance on rules for how they would debate anything that came on the floor into the House. It wouldn't stay after that either. They'd get formed, they'd make some suggestions on rules, and then once things got settled, gone again for the rest of the congressional session, which is two years. It wasn't until 1849 that the House actually resolved to form the Rules Committee and let it stay for the whole two years. But it still mostly just suggested the rules and how things would go about. But in 1880, they established it once again to stay for the entire two years of the session, but now instead of just suggesting rules, it would now make the rules. And it didn't take very long for that change to really get noticed when a gentleman named Thomas Reed became Speaker of the House in 1889. He had a nickname, Czar Reed, which became pretty popular, mostly amongst his opposition, and if you can infer anything from that nickname, he kind of ran things like an autocrat. He made committees, he debated heavily, he made a lot of rules, particularly a couple of rules, one of which made it so that bills wouldn't get caught up in committee when they were trying to get passed, basically meaning that a committee would debate a law or some other legislation that came across and they just would never stop debating it in the committee so it could never actually get passed and written into law. Um, Reed passed some legislation or made a rule so that you couldn't do that anymore. And he also made it so that you could still vote on procedures even if people walked out. So a lot, thing that was really popular back in his time was the opposition would just kind of refuse to vote. And he made a change, a rule saying that if you didn't vote and you were there, it would just count as an abstention. And then everything would get passed. So it made it virtually impossible for his opposition to really oppose any legislature. And really that kind of sums up the Speakership from its creation in 1789 up until 1995, when you get some more concrete rules that came around with a written work, um, which is very long, called House Practice, a Guide to Rules, Precedents and Procedures of the House of Representatives. There's a lot about how the House works, and the Speaker of the House comes in at Chapter 34, on page 637. Which is a a bit of reading, but essentially what it outlines for the Speaker of the House is its general role, like what exactly the Speaker does. And it does so in these ways. This role of the Speaker is to keep order, to manage proceedings of the House, to quote govern the administration of its, being the House's, business, The Speaker has the job of recognizing members who want to speak. It is responsible for making sure House rules are adhered to. And it's the Speaker's job to formally put questions on the House floor to a vote. In addition to this, at the end of all that, um, it also says that the Speakership is supposed to be an impartial role and that rulings by the Speaker should serve to protect the rights of the minority. Now that's an important use of terms because it says impartial, not... Nonpartisan, And you might say that those two things could go hand in hand, um, but I'm sure that a lot of you listening know at least one person in your life that you might consider to be typically impartial, but is still wildly partisan in their politics. So that's an important distinction to make because the U.S. speakership is different from a lot of other democratic countries in that way where in other countries, like in England, the Speaker of the House is very much supposed to be a non-political position and orient themselves and make judgments from a non-political point of view. It doesn't say that here, it just says impartial, and that could be read impartially only in, in terms of, well, anything. So, because of that, the Speakership has, in the past, as I'm sure anyone who has watched has noticed, been a largely partisan role in the U.S. and typically ensures that the House pursues laws and legislature that kind of align with the goals of the majority at the time, whether that be Republican or Democrat. And now we pretty much have a rough idea of the Speakership of the U.S., which to sum up, was a largely ceremonial position for a long time that eventually became a position that could almost single-handedly sway the rules of the House and now in modern times uh, sway legislature depending on the party that the Speaker belongs to. So knowing all that and what exactly the Speakership is, who might be the next Speaker of the House? Because as I said earlier, Kevin McCarthy was ousted as Speaker of the House not too long ago. And somebody needs to fill those shoes, especially considering there have been a number of representatives saying they will refuse to vote on any legislature until they have chosen somebody to replace him. There are currently two people who are in the running for this, the first of which is Jim Jordan of Ohio, and the next, Steve Scalise Scalise, of Louisiana. And after researching them, I do have to say I'm not exactly fond about either choice. But before I get into what I think, let me just tell you about these guys as plainly as I can, starting with Jim. Jim was born in Troy, Ohio in 1964. He has been a member of the House of Representatives, representing Ohio's 4th district since 2007. He has been on the House Freedom Caucus, the House Oversight Committee, and is the current chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Jim, like every House of Reps person, has a biography on the House of Representatives website, which speaks firstly and most prominently of his wrestling career, before any mention of politics. Says he was a four time state champion in high school as well as winning two NCAA titles while he was in college. He then claims to be a fiscal conservative, saying that he believes family and individuals know best how to spend their money and that the government shouldn't be involved in policymaking and revolving that. He says he's been an advocate of the taxpayer, always looking out for waste, fraud, and abuse in the federal government, which infers to his work with the House, um, or House Oversight Committee and his position as chairman of the House Judiciary. But, of course, this is a biography written by Jim and the people that work for him, which is published on the House website, which, of course, projects an image that he wants and will, like any politician's page, leave out some stuff that may make them less appealing. So for Jim, a couple things that have been left out are, first off, a sexual abuse scandal during his time as the assistant wrestling coach at The Ohio State University when he was there from 1987 to 1995. Now, while he was there, there was a doctor who was investigated and later confirmed to have been sexually abusing athletes, including those on the wrestling team, during the time period in which Jim was the wrestling coach or assistant wrestling coach. Jim was implicated by former athletes as having known about all of this and not doing anything, and that has kind of, you know, left a scar on Jim's image. Jim, perhaps, understandably, entirely left out all of his time at OSU from his biography on the House page, not even mentioning he was there in any capacity. But you might be able to understand why he may do that. Now, the second thing that he left out, another scandal, if it can technically be called a scandal, is just that Jim has been subpoenaed to a beer before Congress in relation to his ties to the events of January 6th and has ignored the subpoena. This is just a bad look because ignoring a lawful subpoena while simultaneously being the chairman of a House Judiciary Committee takes away a lot of credibility from his position as a representative of law and order. And overall, I think those two things justifiably could put a sour taste in mouths of voters come you know, the next elections when the House seats are up once again. Uh, aside from his self-proclaimed biography and his scandals, how does he think, what are his policies, so on and so forth. Well, you can take a look at his voting records. They're all publicly available on what he says yes and no to in the House. And when you look at that and see exactly what he votes yes and no for, you can get a feel for what his policies are. So he is very pro-defense spending, big military guy. Uh, He is against social security measures such as Medicaid and welfare. He commonly votes expansions on those down. Uh, He is not for gun legislation. He is an advocate of... Uh, the Second Amendment right, being pretty sweeping. He is against the regulation of emissions of greenhouse gases. He's against public health care. Uh, he advocates deportation for illegal immigrants and advocates increased border security. He's an advocate of economic sanctions in order to set and settle international disputes. And he is against the regulation of funding for political candidacy for, uh, from corporations, unions, and individuals. And that's Jim or at least as clear a picture of Jim as I can reasonably paint in this time frame. And now we will do the same thing for Steve. Steve's House biography page talks a lot about his pride and reserve in representing his state of Louisiana, and then speaks to his tenure since 2008 and how he's been the House Minority Whip for Republicans and then more recently served as the House Majority Leader. His biography kindly lays out that the responsibilities of that include scheduling for Republicans which bills to take to the floor as well as guiding committee chairs on which legislation they should be prioritizing. He also talks about being a conservative leader and tax cuts and making the U.S. energy independent, particularly at the gas pumps. And he also references an injury he had in 2017 when he was shot at a shooting at a congressional baseball game practice. And then he talks about how he that makes him a survivor and a warrior and real tough. And uh, as well as mentioning how thankful he was for the support and well wishes from all over the country. Now, as to scandals that Steve has, there is one and it is not altogether a small one where it came out that Steve had made a speech in 2002 in front of a group led by a gentleman named David Duke, who is a former Grand Wizard for the KKK. The group he spoke to had been labeled as anti-Semitic white supremacy group, which of course hurt his politics back in 2014 when it came out almost 10 years ago. And has again been a source of discussion now that he's running for the House Speakership. And that's his big scandal. So what are Steve's beliefs and policies and what does he vote on? Honestly, really similar to Jim. He's big into defense support, defense spending. Uh, He doesn't He is opposed to government spending for the purposes of economic growth. So that would be stuff like money to build public roads and stuff like that. He is against regulation on emissions of greenhouse gases. He's against gun regulation. He supports the deportation of illegal immigrants and increased border security. And he supports removing regulations on international trade. And that's pretty much it. Those are the two guys that are running for the speakership. And like I said, I'm not exactly for I think the scandals are pretty bad. So I'm not for them. Or say, However, with the recent events in Israel, there is a chance that Kevin McCarthy could come back as Speaker of the House. As I had mentioned earlier, also, there are a lot of representatives in the House who are saying they won't vote on anything until there is a Speaker again. And odds are, between Jim and Steve, it would be a very lengthy debate about which one of them would take the spot. Kevin McCarthy has said he would be willing to come back, which of course he would. That was the job he anticipated having until next year. And he would be more than happy to come back. And it's not outside the realm of possibility. He could come back. With the lengthy process and escalations in Israel, there's going to be a lot of stuff that needs to go through the house. And people will be very upset if they all kind of just get stuck there because the house can't figure out who gets to sit in the chair in the middle. And could lead to a lot of, let's say negative repercussions for those people getting reelected next time around. So they'll probably want to resolve this as soon as possible. But that's pretty much it. Now you know what the Speaker of the House does, their role, and how powerful the position really is. And now you know a bit more about the guys who are running for it and the dynamic of how it is affected by Israel and how Israel can affect domestic politics here. So, as always, thanks for the time you give me. And I will see you guys next week on World in Focus. Bye.